I'm Jacob Gottwalls, and this is Spiritual Awakening for Geeks, a show for independent spiritual explorers who seek peace of mind, better relationships, and a more meaningful life. I call this episode Awakening to the Extraordinary. And in this episode, I'm going to be talking about the relationship between the spiritual, the religious, the sacred, and the extraordinary. I'm going to describe spiritual awakening as a cycle, a cycle of sensing, pursuing, and integrating the extraordinary. I'm going to be talking about what kinds of problems can arise that interfere with this cycle and uh, what we can do to avoid those problems. This is going to be basically another take on something that I wrote about or and talked about in the very first episode of this podcast. Um, that first episode was called The Call of Awakening, and um, you can find it at spiritualawakeningforgeeks.com slash the call of awakening. In that, in that episode, I talked about awakening as a journey um, that changes our life patterns. So, um, And I talked about the cycle of awakening um, in terms of our life patterns and how awakening affects our patterns of living. Um, so uh, this is basically um, going to be another, uh, like I said, another take on that cycle of awakening. And instead of talking about how awakening affects our life patterns, I'll be talking about um, how awakening relates to the ordinary and the extraordinary. The way that I um, got thinking about this was um, I um, uh, read a book in which um, I read a, a chapter in that book by a religious studies professor named Ann Taves. And... Um, she talked about um, uh, she talked about what we what the religious, the spiritual, the sacred, um, and uh, everything like that. What what all those things have in common? Um, and this is something that I'd been thinking about for a while. I mean, it's clear that um, religion and spirituality, uh, the sacred, they all have something in common. But it's hard to put your finger on exactly what that is. And um, uh, she did a pretty good job of that, uh, in my opinion. She said that what they all have in common is a focus on uh, what she would call the special or specialness. Um, so there's something special, something um, unusual uh, that we turn our attention toward um, when we're involved with the religious, the spiritual, or the sacred. Um, and, um, so, uh, that's something special. Um, uh, I like to think of it as the extraordinary versus the ordinary. So it's not just ordinary, it's special or extraordinary. Um, and there are other words that get used that kind of have similar, um, meanings like the perfect versus the flawed, the great versus just okay, truth versus, versus illusion, clarity versus confusion, or the ultimate versus the relative. All of these words point us toward something special, something extraordinary that we're turning our attention toward 
when we get involved in religion, spirituality, the sacred. So here's an example from Tibetan Buddhism. Um, one of the ideas in Tibetan Buddhism is the idea of Dzogchen, which is the notion of the great perfection. This is one name for something extraordinary. So notice that it's not just okay, it's great. And it's not just pretty good, it's perfect. It's the great perfection. It's uh, These words are um, pointing towards something that is special, something that's extraordinary, uh, something that is set apart from ordinary life, uh, from the ordinary things that we normally attend to. So I'd like to suggest that everything religious, spiritual, or sacred is based on something set apart as special or extraordinary. So then what is spiritual awakening? I like to think of spiritual awakening as a cycle having three parts. In the first part of the cycle, we sense the extraordinary. In the second part, we pursue the extraordinary. And in the third part, we integrate the extraordinary. So I'll be going into more detail about each of those three parts. Let's start with the first part of that cycle, sensing the extraordinary. This is where we, um, we sense that there's something unusual, something extraordinary, something special that we want to turn our attention toward. And we orient ourselves toward that extraordinary thing. We turn ourselves, we turn our attention toward it. We don't necessarily know what it is yet. We can't necessarily make sense of it yet. But we just start turning our attention toward it. We sense it and turn our attention toward it. So, um, in that first uh, episode of this podcast, which I, um, which I mentioned earlier, I talk about the call of awakening, and I define that as a compelling feeling that invites us to leave our familiar life patterns to explore the unknown and the unfamiliar. So, in terms of the extraordinary, the call of awakening is a feeling that we may get when we're in the presence of the extraordinary. The extraordinary calls us to attend to it, to explore it. It orients us away from the ordinary and the mundane toward the extraordinary. Now in this first stage, in this uh, first part of the cycle of awakening, the extraordinary doesn't necessarily make sense. In fact, it, it probably won't make sense in the context of your normal worldview. Because of this, you can't make sense of it intellectually, at least at this stage. If you could make sense of the extraordinary at this stage, it wouldn't be extraordinary. It would just be ordinary. You'd be able to understand it. You'd be, oh, well, that's what that is. It's that thing. Um, and the fact that you can't do that is, is part of what makes it extraordinary. So because of this, 
The extraordinary must be sensed intuitively. We can't think our way into it. Um, I think this is why meditation is such a common route to connecting with the extraordinary. Meditation de-emphasizes thinking. It takes us out of our patterns of thinking and opens us to more of a more of an intuitive sense of things. It helps us get in touch with our sensations and our intuition, and that helps us uh, get in touch with this intuitive sense of the extraordinary. So in my own life, um, here's a few examples of times when I've sensed something that seemed extraordinary to me. Uh, These were experiences that felt magical and awe-inspiring. As a child, I loved storms. I loved thunderstorms. Um, I found them really beautiful and majestic. And uh, there was something for me that was extraordinary about them. And I couldn't really explain what that was, uh, but uh, definitely they caught my attention. So um, that sense of the extraordinary in thunderstorms helped me turn my attention toward thunderstorms and storm chasing as an adult. I don't really do that so much anymore, but I still love storms. I just don't chase them anymore. As an adolescent, I can remember being in art history class and uh, um, and looking at pictures of Gothic cathedrals. And there's something um, uh, something special, uh, something extraordinary. Um, that I noticed. Um, again, I couldn't explain exactly what it was. Um, those cathedrals, I'm sure, were designed to um, to be inspiring, to be uh, awe-inspiring, uh, to point our attention toward the extraordinary, and um, they did that for me. Uh that helped me turn my attention toward religion and spirituality at least a little bit um, as an adolescent. I uh, grew up in a family that was not focused on religion or spirituality. Um, Well, I guess maybe a little bit focused on uh, religion. My mother uh, was a Unitarian Universalist, and um, uh, so there was a little bit of... uh, of religion in my life growing up, but, uh, but not much. Uh, also as an adolescent, I started listening to music and I found, um, uh, certain pieces of music were inspiring to me, really caught my attention and, um, uh, almost transported me to, um, uh, another mental realm and uh, I found, so I found certain pieces of music to be uh, extraordinary or to awaken something that's extraordinary in me. And uh, that helped me turn my attention towards songwriting um, late in adolescence and as a young adult. 
there was a book that my grandfather gave me called um, Girdle Escher Bach, An Eternal Golden Braid by Douglas Hofstetter. And um, that was uh, quite a book. Um, it really awakened something in me, um, turning my attention toward consciousness, awareness, and artificial intelligence as a young adult. Later on as an adult, when I heard Marshall Rosenberg's vision of a world with more compassion and less violence, um, uh, there was something special about that for me, something uh, extraordinary in his way of thinking, um, and that uh, turned my attention toward his self-help practice, nonviolent communication. Later on, when I was reading Ken Wilber's descriptions of spiritual states and stages in some of his books, uh, that was pretty inspiring for me too. There was I, I was aware of uh, something extraordinary that he was point, pointing toward, and again, I couldn't explain it. Uh, I had not experienced it necessarily, although I could intuitively sense that there was something there that was important for me to explore. And that helped me turn my attention toward spiritual groups and spiritual practice soon after that. So again, we're talking about this first part of the cycle of awakening, sensing the extraordinary and orienting ourselves toward it, turning toward the extraordinary. Those are some examples from my life of where I sensed the extraordinary and started turning my attention toward it. So let's look at some problems that can happen around this stage. What happens if we fail to sense the extraordinary? Well, if we don't sense the extraordinary, we never really even make it into this first part of the cycle of awakening. Our life kind of gets stuck in a state of perpetual ordinariness, and life may seem dull, uninspiring, or meaningless. I know there have been times in my life where uh, that's how life felt. Dull, un uninspiring, meaningless. Uh, and those were um, difficult times. I think uh, um, we need some sense of inspiration, something, some sense of uh, some spark of um, something extraordinary to um, make life exciting, interesting, meaningful. What, can, what is it that can stop us from sensing the extraordinary? So one thing would be too much focus on the ordinary. Uh, sometimes um, when we have too much work to do, um, our work, at least the, the kind of work that most of us do, um, is by nature ordinary. We get good at something, we, uh, we study it deeply, we practice it, we get to the point where we fully understand it, we get pretty good at it, and we um, start, uh, that becomes our livelihood. Um, and that's fine, but if we um, spend all our attention 
on things that we understand almost completely, um, there's not much time left over for things we don't fully understand. I think it's important um, for those of us who are interested in awakening, who feel drawn to awakening, to try to organize our lives so that we have some spare time, some time uh, left over for pursuing whatever it is that we want to pursue without um, without having to worry about um, you know how it's going to earn us income to do that. Another thing that can stop us from sensing the extraordinary is when we have too much stress or interpersonal conflict in our lives. Interpersonal conflict and stress can be exhausting and all-consuming. And we have to be at least a little bit relaxed and open in order to sense the extraordinary. We can't do that when we're too stressed out. We need some free time. Uh, and some relaxed time in order to be able to do that. So in summary, this first part of the cycle of awakening involves sensing the presence of the extraordinary and turning toward it. In the second part of the cycle of awakening, we start navigating toward the extraordinary and we learn to recognize it. Usually this is through spiritual study, spiritual practices, and spiritual groups. So I call the second part of the cycle of awakening, pursuing awakening. The first part was sensing the extraordinary. Now we're pursuing the extraordinary, pursuing awakening through the extraordinary. So remember in the first part of the cycle, where we're just sensing the extraordinary, this part is almost completely intuitive. Um, we're simply sensing the extraordinary and orienting ourselves toward it. And again, we can't really use our intellect to help us do that um, very well, because the extraordinary doesn't fit in our familiar worldview. In this second part of the cycle of awakening, the intellect starts to play a role. Because to be able to recognize the extraordinary, it must be named. We have to have some kind of name for it. That name helps us direct our attention toward it. It puts the extraordinary in some kind of a conceptual framework or map. That helps us and uh, that helps us find our way toward it. So usually we use maps created by others. Uh, maps might, that might be handed down through spiritual traditions. But we can also create our own maps if we don't have a uh, spiritual tradition to help us out. So we pursue the extraordinary through spiritual study, and that means basically studying some kind of map, some kind of map that helps us um, pursue the extraordinary, helps us navigate toward it.
Um, also through spiritual practice, we use those maps to navigate to the extraordinary and recognize it. And spiritual groups can provide a social context for this kind of spiritual study and practice. They can be very helpful and important as we're pursuing the extraordinary. Some examples from my life. In my mid-30s, I pursued the extraordinary through Tibetan Buddhist meditation practices. and I was involved in a Tibetan Buddhist Sangha and um, uh, did a lot of study and practice in that tradition for a while. That helped me navigate toward the extraordinary, toward the, um, the particular form of the extraordinary that I was after. And eventually helped me learn to recognize some extraordinary qualities of subjective experience and the extraordinary absence of an experiencing subject. Um, if you have, um, if you have practiced in that tradition or a similar tradition, you uh, may know what I'm talking about. So, uh, at this, in this part of the cycle of awakening, where we're pursuing the extraordinary, what are some problems that, that might arise? Well, what happens if we fail to navigate toward the extraordinary? Well, then we never make it into this part of the cycle of awakening, and we, get, we may get stuck in just sensing um, the extraordinary. And that could be okay. Uh, um, I mean, uh, I think that sensing the extraordinary um, is better than, better than not sensing it. It's uh, a step toward awakening, and it could provide some kind of inspiration or meaning. Um, but it can leave us, uh, feeling like there's, um, there's further to go or, or, um, uh, like there's more work we could do. Um, there's closer, we could, we could get closer to, um, to the extraordinary, uh, and, um, the way to get, <clears throat> excuse me, the way to get closer to the extraordinary is through, uh, the second part of the cycle of awakening where we actually start pursuing it. What if we never recognize the extraordinary? So we may start navigating toward it in spiritual groups or, uh, using spiritual practices, um, but what if we never, uh, quite recognize the extraordinary? Well, then we get stuck in what I would call perpetual following. So we may be perpetually following a teacher or a tradition where the extraordinary is somehow embedded in that teacher or embedded in the tradition. And um, uh, if we never learn to actually recognize it for ourselves, um, we end up uh, perpetually following others. That leaves the extraordinary perpetually external to us. So, uh, to summarize kind of where we're at here, the first part of the cycle of awakening was sensing the presence of the extraordinary and turning toward it. Then we've been just talking about the second part of the cycle of awakening, where we start pursuing the extraordinary, navigating toward it and learning to recognize it.
after we've had some experience navigating toward the extraordinary, learning to recognize it, uh, we can enter the third part of the cycle of awakening, which is integrating the extraordinary. So there's a few kinds of integration that we might do here. Uh, we can um, we can do a kind of personal integration of the extraordinary, and that means just making the extraordinary your own, coming to your own understanding, your own um, internal sense of the extraordinary. Then there's a social integration we can do uh, as well, where we return to ordinary life and we bring the extraordinary with us and start sharing it with others. As we integrate the extraordinary into ordinary life, the extraordinary becomes a little more ordinary. Um, and then we're primed to start the cycle of awakening over again and sensing a new form of the extraordinary. The sense of returning to the ordinary and bringing the extraordinary with us, integrating it into the ordinary, is reflected in a uh, traditional series of paintings called the Ten Bowls or the Ten Ox Herding Pictures in Zen Buddhism. In the tenth picture is called uh, Return to Society, where we take something extraordinary that we have realized and bring it back to society and uh, share the gift of that with others. So a couple examples from my life of this integration part of the cycle of awakening. Um, after I had participated in Buddhism for a while, I had eventually kind of had a sense that I'd, uh, I'd gotten what I was after. I'd, uh, I was looking for something and I, I kind of found it. Um, and, um, so I, uh, I started, um, kind of moving off in my own directions and I stopped calling myself a Buddhist. Um, a decade, a decade after that, a decade after I left Buddhism, I started this Spiritual Awakening for Geeks project. Started writing articles on meditation and spiritual practice. I collected those articles into a book on meditation. And I started this podcast. So all of this writing and speaking I've been doing is part of my own process of uh personal and social integration of the extraordinary. Um, I've been sharing my, my perspective on awakening. This is not just a repetition of maps that I learned earlier, although certainly I'm grateful for all the maps that I, uh, that I learned in my spiritual study and, and practice in Tibetan Buddhism and in other traditions. But I'm kind of, um, in this project in Spiritual Awakening for Geeks, I'm presenting my view. I'm not positioning myself as a spiritual teacher in any particular tradition. I'm just kind of giving my own take on things. 
So that's not to say this is the best way or the only way to do this, but um, this is how I'm doing it, and it's um, my way of integrating the extraordinary into ordinary life and into um, and sharing it with you. At least sharing uh, sharing some um, some of the extraordinary things, some things that I've found extraordinary, um, sharing them with others. And that's uh, meaningful. It's fun. It's um, this is um, uh, one of the most challenging and exciting things that I do in my life these days. So, thanks for listening. Uh, another way that I uh, have been integrating the extraordinary into ordinary life is in my work as a psychotherapist. In that work. I don't teach about mindfulness or insight or meditation or anything like that. I help people heal and grow in other ways. But I'm sure that my psychotherapy work benefits from all the spiritual practice that I've done in the past. In a way, the, uh, the extraordinary, the, th- the things that I've perceived as extraordinary and the things that I've pursued and navigated toward, recognized, integrated into my own being, all of those things show up in how I interact with my clients as a psychotherapist. And I'm sure that they benefit, that my clients benefit from all of that work that I've done. They can benefit from it without having to understand or even um, sense or recognize um, uh, what it is that I've done uh, that in terms of my own spiritual practices. I don't talk about spiritual awakening for geeks at work. Most of my clients and colleagues are completely unaware of this project and of my spiritual life, and that's fine. So in this third stage, uh, in this third part of the cycle of awakening, um, where we're integrating the extraordinary, what are some problems that can arise here? Well, what happens if we fail to integrate the extraordinary? If we fail to integrate it personally into our personal worldview, into our personal perspective on things, then we end up kind of um, perpetually stuck in other people's maps. Um we may end up perpetually um, repeating um, uh, repeating other people's views on things. And that's, that's not such a bad thing necessarily, but it may be, uh, I think sometimes we can attach a little bit too much significance to particular maps. I think it's important to remember that the spiritual maps, the, uh, the conceptual frameworks that we use to navigate to the extraordinary, those maps aren't special themselves. It's not the maps that are extraordinary. It's the maps are just used to navigate towards something extraordinary. They just point to something special. If we give those maps too much importance, sometimes the maps can become frozen and they can stop evolving. And that can be um, problematic. 
Also, if we if we don't personally integrate the extraordinary after we've learned to navigate toward it and recognize it, again, we can end up perpetually following others. We can put our teachers on a pedestal. Um, just like the maps, um, it's not the teachers themselves that are special or extraordinary. Um, it's, uh, it's something that we get through our relationship with our teachers. And if we don't recognize that and integrate, personally integrate the extraordinary into our, into our lives, we can fail to fully realize or integrate our own power. We can fail to become fully empowered ourselves. If we fail to socially integrate the extraordinary, others don't get to benefit from the journey that we've taken. So we might be awakening, but um, society, others around us, don't get to benefit from that. If we fail to allow ourselves to return to the ordinary, if we fail to um, to integrate the extraordinary into the ordinary, we can start holding ourselves as extraordinary, and this can lead to a form of narcissism, where we um, we start feeling like we're we're special, like we're better than others. We hold ourselves separate from others, and we use the extraordinary to prop ourselves up, to make up for our own um, uh, perceived deficiencies. This can support a false sense of superiority that separates us from others and damages our relationships with other people. And unfortunately, I think this shows up often in spiritual teachers. This is a common problem for spiritual teachers that I think I'll be talking more about in the future. This is related to a uh, tweet that I tweeted <laughs> last week where I said, it takes courage to be ordinary. It takes courage to be ordinary. It takes courage to um, uh, to stop kind of riding on the extraordinary and uh, just be an ordinary person. Just allow ourselves to be uh, to be ordinary. So, in summary. The first part of the cycle of awakening is sensing the presence of the extraordinary and turning toward it. The second part of the cycle is pursuing the extraordinary, navigating toward it, and learning to recognize it. The third part of the cycle of awakening is integrating the extraordinary, and that involves a personal integration, social integration, and returning to the ordinary. So after we've completed that cycle, what happens next? Well, after you've been through all this once, what seemed extraordinary at first 
now seems a little more ordinary. That's not to say it's not important. It may still seem important, um, but it's been integrated into our worldview. It's been integrated into ordinary life. Um, It becomes present in ordinary, everyday life. So what happens next? Well, now you start to see more that's extraordinary. You start to sense more uh, kind of different extraordinary things. Uh, You sense that there's more to explore. At least that's been my experience. So the cycle of awakening can start again. There's not just one awakening. (laughs) Uh, I think there's many. Um, You know, there's this idea of, um, do all spiritual paths lead to the same destination? I don't think so. I think many paths lead to similar destinations, but I think there's a lot of spiritual destinations. There's a lot of extraordinary things out there to, um, to pursue. Uh, so in my own life, um, the things there, there's plenty of, uh, extraordinary things that, um, that feel just a bit out of reach for me. Um, a few examples would be life energy um, intuition, psychic abilities, magic abilities, um, the things that, that you hear kind of, um, talked about in, um, uh, in some of the spiritual traditions about kind of what happens, um, to people once they start realizing, um, some awakening and, um, so I'm not saying that uh, that I'm there or that I um, uh, um, that I'm so far along uh, in my own spiritual path, but I have made a little bit of progress, and so there there are these things that I can sense now that um, that I had absolutely no sense of decades ago. Um, that I know if I um, if I put my attention. Uh, on these things, on cultivating these things, that I'd probably um, be able to pursue them and navigate toward them, just like I did with other extraordinary phenomena in the past. And uh, I don't think this ever ends. <laughs> I don't think there's ever an end to this um, uh, in terms of the... Um, uh, I have a feeling it just keeps going more and more extraordinary uh, things to um, to pursue and that's kind of um, uh, that's kind of uh, exciting in a way I don't feel like just because I've explored some aspects of the extraordinary, I don't feel like that makes me special or better than anyone else. Um, it's just, um, there are certain paths that I've taken that, um, that I've put energy into and, um, and I've gotten certain results. Um, and, um, 
gotten certain perspectives, and um, I'm I'm glad for that, and uh, I want to share it with with others. So I hope you've enjoyed this exploration of the extraordinary and how it relates to awakening. Um, and I guess that's it for this episode of Spiritual Awakening for Geeks. Thank you for joining me in uh, in my process of getting a little bit more competent in podcasting and uh, sharing these things with you. You can find show notes for this episode at spiritualawakeningforgeeks.com slash awakening to the extraordinary, where you can also post your comments. You can also subscribe to my newsletter to stay up to date on what's happening at Spiritual Awakening for Geeks. You can do that at spiritualawakeningforgeeks.com slash newsletter. And if you sign up for my newsletter, you'll get a free electronic copy of my book on meditation. If you're enjoying this show, please rate it and review it on your favorite podcast directory, and that helps the show rank higher so others can find it more easily. Until next time, this is Jacob Gottwalls, wishing you many encounters with the extraordinary in all its forms.